Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome in. It's Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. Great to be with you here on this Thursday as we cover baseball for you, a little basketball, and of course football as well. Two hours from noon to two Eastern right here on SportsGrid.com. I am Craig Mish, and along with my co-host Joe Pizzapia, we're going to carry you through the day, get you to two o'clock. Hopefully you're having a good Thursday, get you through your lunch hour as well. We'll cover it all for you, including a game coming up in about an hour and a half in Major League Baseball as well. we got top stories to get to. And before we do that, let's bring in Joe. Joe, good afternoon. We're closing in on another week of fantasy sports, some baseball, football on deck too, and things seem to be going pretty smoothly in the world of sports, which uh, I didn't think would be possible, but here we are. Yeah, it's definitely going, uh, although things are definitely getting weird. I mean, the Marlins are unbeatable. Max Scherzer can't make a start. Uh, the Mets somehow beat the Nationals yesterday. It feels like we're in the upside down. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how that is, but hey, I'll take it. As long as there's sports, we can have upside down sports. That's fine by me. Go Marlins 2020 champs. That's the story of the year, right? I mean, right now, so far, it appears to be for sure. And um, look, I mean, they they went on. They, they haven't even played a home game really yet, and they're already five and one. And so. They're going to have to figure out a way to get to 55 games to qualify for the postseason. We're supposed to find that uh, about that today, how they're going to actually get to 55 <laughs> games. But right now, if they just played out the schedule, they could not. So a uh, long way to go for sure and, and really a short period of time to do it. But that is sort of the story. And, of course, we have the NBA to get to today. And uh, and I guess I got the opt-out date wrong in the NFL. I don't know. I was, like, pushing that whole thing for Tuesday. I guess it is today, as a matter of fact. It probably even isn't today. It's probably tomorrow. But I'm going to try to get it right at some point, but they're saying that the opt-out day is today. we got some NFL news to get to, too. Some really uh, shocking comments from uh, Mike Tomlin uh, today uh, about the NFL, which we'll get to a little bit later on in the show. But first and foremost, let's get to our top stories of the day in fantasy sports and in sports in general today. We'll start off with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, I mean, you just can't beat them right now. Ten wins. They're the first team in baseball to ten wins. Doesn't matter what month, what day, what year. They are the best team in the American League, in my opinion. And uh, look, the Yankees could have a lot to say about that, but it will be a very interesting series when when the Twins end up winning the division and maybe even winning the most games in the American League. They are unstoppable at the moment. Speaking of which, betting on the Toronto Raptors, uh, Joe Ranieri, if you've been doing that, you've been making a lot of money. I don't think they've lost in five months. They just keep on winning. They beat the Magic. That wasn't a huge surprise yesterday, but they covered as well, 109-99. to 
They're playing as good as anyone since the restart, so let's circle them and wonder how far they can go in the East. Max Scherzer yesterday left his start with a hamstring issue. We'll hear from Scherzer a little bit later on in the show, and that derailed their start for sure, although Juan Soto did come back in that game yesterday. That was good news for them. Uh, Miami Marlins shut down the Orioles. They had 21 consecutive innings without giving up a run in Baltimore and 24 dating back to that Phillies game that they played. They swept the doubleheader. They'll go for the four-game sweep today at Camden Yards. PGA Championship is underway in San Francisco. We'll have updates on that as well. Some of the top guys have already teed off. And uh, the story really that was sort of bizarre yesterday, Joe, is that the the Las Vegas Raiders essentially tricked their players into believing that their head coach had COVID-19 to show them the seriousness of this. And in the one hand, I thought that that was a wacky story. And then in the other hand, I thought it was actually a good story because if they really need to do this in pro football to show how serious it is, I am all for it. Major League Baseball announced last night, the union, the clubs came to an agreement, got to wear a mask at all times unless you're on that field swinging a bat. There are no exceptions. There are no. There is no leaving hotels moving forward. Probably this should have been something that happened at the beginning, but we really didn't have a great blueprint for it. I'm more confident now than ever that baseball is going to get finished. Well, uh, that's great. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm certainly am as well. And I think that when you look on this, it's it's understandable that there was a little bit of laxness because, you know, you know, when you get back to doing something that's part of your normal routine and for these guys, it's playing baseball and going on the road. I think you fall into old habits. And unfortunately, we just can't do that. As Pete Carroll said yesterday, we have to double down and get tougher. It's not the time to get lax right now. It's the time to see this thing through. And I think if we want an NFL season, we're going to have to do the same thing. Fascinating thing there with the Raiders and Gruden as well. Because I think when you're looking at that, I mean, what does happen for a head coach in the middle of a season if he can't be around the team? I mean, I understand there's video conferencing and all that stuff. But even for the coaching staff, I think that's kind of a wake-up call, too, to understand what sort of protocols would have to be in place, who would take over what in terms of responsibility. So there's a lot to unpack there as well. Yeah, and as we welcome our radio audience in, we're, we're getting a lot closer to uh, when what would be the NFL preseason. And so as we start to dive into the drafts, we'll touch on that as well. But, Joe, at this stage, in terms of DFS, how, how can you throw a pitcher against the Twins? We, we talked about this a week ago. I was being cynical about it, and I thought that, yeah, I mean, you still got to throw your ace. But do you really? Like, I, I mean, they, they, one through nine... And they're going to play this afternoon, and so we'll have updates on that game against the Pirates. But one through nine, they're as good as any team in baseball right now. And I'll include the Yankees and the Dodgers in that conversation. Their rotation on the back end may not be as good, but their hitting is as good as anybody. Yeah. Yeah, look, as long as they keep playing the Pirates, too, it's certainly easier uh, to go that route. Uh, there's no doubt about that. That lineup is outstanding. Kepler, another good night for him last night. But you know, let's see if they start playing some of these better opponents too, how they fare. And I think that's something to keep in mind as we go on here. But so far, the story has definitely been that offense and how good it's been. And that's with Donaldson missing some time too. Imagine when he is 100% in that lineup too, how good they're going to be. And they'll get hopefully another quality start from Kenta Maeda today. And as long as they keep getting quality starts from these guys, it's hard not to think that they're going to be competitive in every single contest that they're in. Keep an eye on uh, today's game. Luis Arias, if you have him in your starting lineup in DFS or season long, he was scratched today, not in the lineup for the Twins. Really nice young player that they have there as well. Okay, coming up next, we're going to dive back into Wednesday night's fantasy standouts, and then we'll move forward to today's games with some previews as well. Also the latest on Max Scherzer and the issue that he had yesterday where he couldn't return to the game. We'll be back with more Sports Grid on FST. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia with you here until 2 o'clock Eastern. Joe and I are here every Monday through Friday from noon to 2 Eastern. You can also catch all of our programming on our YouTube channel and our Sports Grid radio channel as well. So make sure you check those out, like, and subscribe to those. And you can watch our show on demand if you're watching it live. Very cool, but on demand is a place that a lot of people like to watch. And so you can check that out. 24 7 over on sportsgrid.com. That is your website. Sports wagering, fantasy, reality, entertainment. We cover it all here on the show. And I know, Joe, this weekend you're getting ready for another edition of Diamond Bets. And so people can watch that certainly on demand. But what can they expect when they watch the show this weekend? Ah, we got the great pitching guru, Paul Spore, joining us this weekend. So we're going to talk about some of these breakout performances that we've seen so far from these guys from the Cubs and from Dylan Bundy and a couple other guys and kind of dig deeper to see uh, what he thinks, whether or not he thinks these guys can sustain these kinds of uh, openings to the season. And uh, we'll get into a lot of other fun stuff as well. We'll always talk about the most traded players, the players to add on the waiver wire and uh, looking forward to the week ahead in Major League Baseball, too, as we preview next week, which, uh, look, hopefully we'll have a full slate of everybody playing next week, and things will really be rock and rolling then. So check out Diamond Bets every Sunday from uh, 10 to noon Eastern time over on SportsGrid. All right, so check it out this Sunday on SportsGrid, sportsgrid.com. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow Joe on Twitter at JoePizzapia17. Let's take a look at yesterday's fantasy standouts and move on to today to see what they can do this afternoon. A host of afternoon games, although one gets started at 1.30 Eastern, and that is, of course, uh, 11.30, uh, 10.30 Pacific time for those of you who are uh, certainly watching on the West Coast, and uh, then 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific for the baseball games as well. All right, here we go. Uh, JT Real Muto, two hits, two home runs. Uh, this is the second home run, two runs, two walks. The Phillies basically have to score 10 runs a game to stay in this thing, and Real Muto and Harper both went deep yesterday. Uh, One of the players that went deep on the other side of the field was Aaron Judge, and Judge hit his seventh home run, and we asked the question yesterday on the total one-and-a-half home runs. Turns out he hit one close to another, though, by the way, almost went over that. Uh, Doc Peterson, the star for the Dodgers yesterday, every day it is someone different. That's their model, and that's what works for them. And Peterson hit two home runs, 
and drove in five against the San Diego Padres. Tatis on the other side hit a home run for San Diego and had a pretty epic walk, uh, I would say, watch of the ball and, and a little bit of a bat flip, too, if you want to go check that out on YouTube. Rick Porcello for the Mets. Wow, he came through in a big way yesterday. Seven innings pitched, five hits, one earned run, his best start in a long time. Congratulations to the Mets. They pick up a win. Porcello definitely got the job done. Marco Gonzalez of the Seattle Mariners, a reliable option over the last couple of years, reliable again for them yesterday. He got the win. Why is this important? Gonzalez goes deep into games, and so he can get wins in fantasy for you. Seven innings pitch, seven Ks, three earned runs, and then you Darvish as well picks up a win. Seven innings pitch, five hits, one earned run. Four strikeouts and a win. If we missed anybody, hit me up at Craig Mish, and I'll make sure to give him credit on social media or right here on SportsGrid. But, Joe, certainly Peterson was the offensive star yesterday with two home runs, five runs driven in. You just pick a day, pick a different Dodger. They end up coming through. And, uh, and look, let's not sleep on Rick Porcello at this point. That's a, a pretty big start for him to do it and do it against a good offense Now we'll see if he can sort of put it all together because if the Mets are going to stay in this thing, they're going to have to get somebody to pitch well outside of the ground. They have to. I'm not going to hold my breath that he's the guy to do it. I'm hopeful. This was a guy that I took everywhere as like a $1 flyer, late round flyer guy that I thought, hey, you know, maybe in the National League. And that was before the DH came to the National League. I thought maybe he could get right a little bit. But certainly a big start for him, a big start uh, for the Mets as well, who needed to stop the bleeding in the worst way. And you're absolutely right. That Dodger lineup is another one that just does not quit. And any given night, there is a different star, whether it's Peterson or Bellinger or or Turner. I mean, the list goes on and on with these guys. A.J. Pollock has been swinging a hop out of all people as well. And that wasn't the only guy out there in California, too, because Matt Olson was another guy out there for the A's hitting two bombs last night as well. And big runs as well. Those are like moonshot kind of home runs. He's got that great home run swing. I love the high finish that he's got with the bat, too. It's kind of one of those glorious swings. Very unique, too. He doesn't remind you of anybody else. So another great night for home runs, a great night for baseball, and a good night for you, Darvish, as well. Thank goodness, because he was our cash game arm. And my God, I will take all the heat in the world. McCullers, boy, three innings. He was cruising that fourth inning game. And now I'm seeing dead people. I could not believe the implosion that happened there. So I'll take all the heat on that one. Luckily, we still had you Darvish, who was very good in the cash game. So the GPP arm didn't work, but you Darvish at least evened us out in all the cash games. So that's a positive. Yeah. And McCullers did not look good at all. And, he, and and honestly, when things like that happen with him and they've happened in the past, usually he gets a break after that. And so, yeah, it's, it's just, I, I think that he's a guy that's going to have to be in the bullpen eventually, but look, his, his previous start to that was good. We'll see one good, one bad. Although, uh, unfortunately, in a short season, he's not going to be able to come back from that to give you a good ERA. ERA is like seven now, so I mean, I mean, he'll have to basically pitch a shutout or two along the lines. Very hard, I think. I think eight runs is the most runs uh, for any starter so far. This it was year, crazy, so. and he was it was okay. The first three innings were fine. The first innings were no problem. It was the fourth inning. This is uh, always with him. He gets off to a good start always. He's a good starter. But he's a third time through guy, second time through guy. And you're not wrong. And and you're not wrong about that. And that's why efficiency was so important for him this year. But, you know, real quick, just to touch on the Udarvis thing as well. What's happening right now with the Cubs, I think everybody should take notice because if they can just figure out that ninth inning with somebody and hold it down, if it's Edwards, whoever it ends up being, if Udarvis can continue to pitch like this, if Chatwood continues to pitch like this, and Mills and Hendricks, all of a sudden, I think the Cubs are a team that people were, I don't want to say writing off, but maybe just taking for granted. I think all of a sudden we need to stop doing that because the Cubs, I think, are definitely contenders this year if that pitching holds up the way it has so far. Yep, they've looked good, no doubt about that. All right, so uh, in fantasy, my first pitcher off the board for sure this year was Max Scherzer, and Scherzer has had 
uh, uh, kind of a poor start at the beginning, had a really good start a second time out. And last night, there was a lot of people nervous who drafted Max Scherzer for sure, because as you see here, he only threw an inning in the game and gave up an earned run, left the game early. His earned run average for the season still sits at 3.29, but Scherzer apparently going into the game had a little bit of a hamstring issue or a hamstring injury. And after the game, he went into a full discussion as to basically what happened, talked about it, said that he was going to try and pitch through it. They really didn't have another option for him to pitch, so he wanted to gut it out. He took his warm-up tosses, he threw the ball, and then immediately after the first inning, the coaching staff went up to him and said, hey, this just doesn't look right. It looks like you're overcompensating too much. We have bigger aspirations. We want to finish the season. And then, of course, Scherzer, after the game, was asked if he will be able to make his next start and if he feels that this is just a minor issue. Yeah, I'm really not concerned about this. Uh, you know, I, I feel like this is going to heal up pretty, here pretty soon. I mean, the only reason, uh, you know, creeped up more was because it happened yesterday. So here in a couple of days, uh, you know, this should feel really good again. Uh, I really see this as a minor injury and more precaution than anything uh, to keep from uh, doing further damage. And I think, Joe, it's always nice to hear those things. It's not something that you can ever trust because a player is always going to be on the optimistic side. I think that this is a wait-and-see approach. If Scherzer makes his next start, great. If he gets pushed back, if you're playing in a fantasy league, they may give him some extra time and IL him for 10 days. And so I think we have to really be careful on him because he's not somebody that you can afford to lose. But given the fact that we're going to be 15% into the season this week, I don't think that you can just blindly put him in your lineups for next week. No, he's also someone you cannot replace on the waiver wire or or anywhere else for that matter. So uh, it's good. He seems a little effervescent about the discussion regarding the hamstring. So that's positive. You know, sometimes you see guys and they're kind of hoeing and humming about it. But he seemed kind of effervescent, like, hey, it's not a big deal. It's just when it happened more so. And I was trying to soldier through and and be Max Scherzer and I couldn't do it. Uh, but I would definitely be cautious. I would definitely have a plan in place if he does not make that start. And on top of that. I would also start to consider the long-term Max Scherzer shares uh, in keeper leagues and dynasty leagues because I think at a certain point too, so many of those, you know, the innings, the tread on the tires, you know, I imagine everyone's body at some point in time starts to break down. He had some back issues last year during the playoff run. I know it's very frustrating. He soldiered on through them. This guy is definitely one of those warrior type players. But I think at the same time, you can only warrior up so many times. So I think long term, you have to start thinking, OK, what's the window here? When am I selling off? When am I looking to turn things over? And that's not wrong. It's just natural. That's all. Yeah. And Scherzer has been a warrior for a long time and a Cy Young Award winner. And and the thing is, is that with pitchers like this, similar to Verlander, you got to be careful about cutting bait. But you also want to make sure that he's still going to be able to pitch at the level that he has. But this injury specifically is one that I think that for next week in particular, he'll have a side session, I'm guessing, coming up on Saturday. And if that goes well, maybe he'll pitch on Monday. We'll take a quick break for the update, and then we'll be back with more Sports Grid. This is Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. 
I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. This is Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. And as Chris mentioned, if anybody opts out of the NFL season from a fantasy perspective, even from a reality perspective, we'll give it to you here on the show. Uh, also, we'll update the PGA Championship in San Francisco, which is underway as well. But, Joe, it's uh, it's time, I think, for us to take a second look at some players that maybe people fell out of favor with, myself included, and wonder if they're about to you know, sort of live up to the expectations that we had of them. It's not really easy to determine at this point. I will say that uh, we are less than two weeks into this thing, and it's and I am almost never going to plant my flag on a guy after just seeing him play well because I do think that some of the players that we discussed, we've seen this from before. It's just a matter of staying on the field and stay healthy. And so it's kind of like, do you buy back in, or do you say, "Wow, I got more out of this guy than I thought that I would in the first two weeks," and sell high? And also by sell high, what I mean is this. Um, it's going to be very hard to convince anyone to make a trade in fantasy this year. It's, I mean, there the one for one trade may be the only way to go because once you start getting multiple players involved, you have teams that are off. Some teams have played less than others. As an example, Philadelphia has a ton of games to make up. Miami has not even been given their schedule as to how they're going to make up. What is it? Eight games or nine games? I don't even know if they can get to 55 at this point, but they're going to try to. They're going to have to. So with all those elements involved, selling high is tough. But for the purpose of the show, that's sort of the conversation that we're going to have here. It is. And the other part of this conversation is the perhaps uh, artificial or anointing too soon of a guy who has a lot of talent as a superstar. And it's something that's very difficult because you can see projectability in certain players. You can see talent. You see where they've been drafted or what their, uh, their lineage is and certain uh, guys in terms of their last name. And it's easy to get very excited about them, but then it's very easy as well to lose sight of just how old they are. And it's, it's very easy to lose sight of, uh, your lack of patience as well for some of these guys to get even opportunities. And and the thing is, you have to keep in mind is just because a guy has all the promise in the world and then they don't quite live up to it right away does not mean they're not going to live up to it eventually. And I think this first guy is basically the poster child for that. And it's Carlos Correa, who was just 25 years old and was the number one overall pick not that long ago. This was a franchise changing kind of player. And I understand he's had the most frustrating injuries in the world. But if you look at the stats the guy put up when he was on the field last year, it's hard not to argue that this guy is an absolute stud, an absolute superstar when he's on the field. The when is always the issue. So far, so good. And Craig is absolutely right. Is the 389 sustainable? No. But can that settle somewhere in the 300 range? Can he be a 345 slash kind of player with an OPS well into the 950 range? I think the answer is absolutely yes when it comes to Carlos Correa. And sometimes our lack of patience with players 
is frustrating in fantasy. And and look, and granted, I understand it is very frustrating sometimes to see a talent and see that talent on the IL and not on the playing field and start to lose that patience. However, I think when you look at the age of the player, you look at the skill set of the player, you look at the minor league track record, all those things. Sometimes you have to practice patience, and this especially goes for dynasty and keeper leagues. This is why this year this was my number one offseason trade target in the black book for people who are in those kind of formats because I thought this might be the last chance to get this guy in a deal on the cheap. And if you did, so far so good. Craig is right. It's all about can he continue to do it. And even if he does it over 60 games, that doesn't mean he can do it over 162. But I think what's going to happen is if he does it over 60 games, he basically rebuilds that stock to that potential superstar level. And Carlos Correa goes from, I don't want to say an afterthought, but certainly a lesser thought to all of a sudden a guy who could potentially be in that second round discussion last next year in fantasy drafts. And that is truth. Yeah, I mean, all those things could very well happen. I don't believe that he's going to be able to stay healthy. I think in this season, it's certainly possible. Uh, but then if you buy at that level and then assume that that level goes back to what we thought it was going to be in previous years, then I think that you would be fooled. So it's it's not an easy situation to move around. I think that the talent is there, but there's just no way through 10 days. And, and look, you, you have to basically take shots to win and and mm-hmm. he is worth a shot i mean that, there's no doubt but you also have to reconcile with yourself if you actually believe that what you're seeing is something that you're going to be able to project out even over next year and that's just not something that i can do and part of it is being burned in the past i you know picked him to win the mvp in the past and then last year he had the massage issue like i, I just I, I think he can make it this whole season and then i think you're probably right i think next year he goes into it and people have this this delusion that what you saw in 60 games can project out to 162. I understand taking the shot. And if you're trying to win a league, he's a great league winner. There's no doubt. But for me, I I think almost no matter what happens in the next 60 days, I'm going to have to take a pause on him uh, going into next year, but taking a shot this year on it, buying him low. Why not? Corey Seager, on the other hand, I I think was a guy. And now it's becoming too late to take an absolute, uh, shot on. I mean, this guy's stat cast numbers are off the charts. Mm-hmm. He had Tommy John surgery. People just really got burned by him last year. And, and that yes. is the hard part about fantasy. It's that David Johnson, that Randall Cunningham, that Troy Tulowitzki guy, that Gronk that you take at the beginning of the year and then boom, you're done. And then, you know, like Starling Marte, he got popped for uh, PEDs mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, I'm never going to take that guy ever again. And and with Seager, there was just way too much talent to give on pretty quickly, and he's playing in an unbelievable spot in L.A. And and this one, this is a player that I wish that I would have gone in on this year, and I did not because he was just going way too low in auctions, way too low in drafts, and the results have been really good. My guess is at the end of the year, these are the numbers that you're going to be looking at. I think that he still is a star, superstar type player, and the buy low time, I think, is up on him. I think Seager is back, and he's fully back. Yes, I think the theme here is we have to learn to love again. We have to forgive a little bit, especially when the players are this young and with this much upside. And Seager, because of his last name, certainly had a lot of attention on him. But if you look at what he's done so far, obviously, it's elite-level kind of productivity. And maybe it just took him longer to come back from that injury 100%. Maybe it's a confidence issue. There's so many things that go into this game, especially for a young player like Correa, like Seager, when they miss time with injury, I'm sure there's a mental aspect of that game. I'm sure they are their worst critic. They are the kind of guys that probably put more pressure on themselves than any fan base 
or any general manager or manager anybody else could possibly put on them. And that's the thing that makes them great. But unfortunately, sometimes I think it's their undoing also. And I think Corey Seager might have fallen into that trap. And I also want to point out that I think the emergence of Cody Bellinger, the acquisition of Mookie Betts, I feel like mentally there's got to be a relaxation point there where the focus is no longer on you. The focus is on those guys. And you can go out there and just play ball every day. And a healthy Kyle's, uh, a healthy Corey Seager going out there and playing ball every day without that kind of pressure on him, I think you're seeing why everybody just a few years ago was excited about this guy and was reaching for him in the early second round, which if he continues at this pace, like Correa, he is going to be in that discussion because why? The position they play and the premium productivity they could possibly offer. And then moving on to another shortstop who who I don't think will ever be the same offensive player as a Correa or a Seager, and it's ironic, it's three shortstops, I guess, here back to back to back. Uh, Dansby Swanson is off to a good start. We saw a solid season out of him last year, and he was part of a significant trade a couple of years ago, which most people translated into, oh, he is going to be a superstar in the game. The problem was is that draft in particular wasn't really that good. And when you look back on it now, he still is a pretty good player from that draft, an all-star potential and is off to a good start. He's becoming more of a team leader, I know, on Atlanta as well. I don't know that you're ever going to see Swanson Joe hit 30 home runs and drive in 100. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. know that that game is in him. But I think that he's emerging as a potential top five shortstop, which is saying a lot from, from where he was a couple of years ago. And certainly it's, it's undeniable at this point, if he can keep the batting average up, if you're searching for a guy that makes contact and to lift that, if you're still playing with batting average in a fantasy league, he's a guy to own. Yeah, and I would definitely agree he is not in the same tier as Correa and Seager. I would have put Correa at the top because I think Correa has number one overall kind of ceiling potentially. Like I think that's how good he could be. Uh, Seager, I think, is right there as like that secondary kind of guy. But Swanson was basically left for dead this year in fantasy. I mean, people yeah. were undrafted in some shorter leagues. And uh, again, a young player where he had a lot of hype because of the trade, also because of where he was drafted, number one. And I think it's very difficult for those guys. They put a lot of pressure on themselves. And the good thing here with Swanson is the Braves have showed confidence in him. And I think that goes a long way with a young player that no matter what the struggles are, you stay with this young player. And eventually the Braves are showing you if you believe in the player. You can eventually get the player to believe in themselves, and I think that's what you're seeing right now is a very confident Dansby Swanson up there in the plate. Now he's hitting the two-hole. Now that Albies is out, that is a huge thing. You can't imagine that change happening last year or the two years ago. Forget it. Now Swanson able to hit the top of this order for at least a short period of time. That's a huge deal. And yes, I think for Swanson, it's going from an undrafted guy to potentially a guy that you would even look for in the middle rounds of a draft because you think he can be productive. Let's hope that he continues on this trajectory. And then finally, also back to the Dodgers, where I think that saying that Dustin May was a disappointment or or really hasn't lived up to anything, I think we're too soon on that because really last year was his first cup of coffee in the big leagues. And I think that the expectations were just way too high to expect a guy that wasn't supposed to start on opening night and was forced into it because of an injury. I mean, that guy's only going to go three or four innings. We're seeing this all around Mm -hmm. baseball. The Rays did it for the entire first week of the season, and now May is getting a little bit of length. And I I guess the question just has to be asked, Joe, is he going to remain in the rotation? Are they going to allow him to pitch every fifth day? It appears that way, but I can't say I'm certain. The Dodgers do things differently, and nothing would surprise me. But thus far, the results are great. I think May has a chance to be a very solid Major League Baseball number 2 starter. I think he's Mm -hmm. got a shot to be a fantasy number three or a fantasy number four. 
and maybe even a little bit better than that. The results are undeniable at this point, but I always worry mm-hmm. with with the Dodgers, with the way that they handle players. Yeah. It's similar to how the Rockies handle offensive guys, the Dodgers <laughs> with their pitchers. They just they surprise you. They just decide, oh, okay, Dustin May, we're going to put him in the alternate campsite, give him a couple of weeks off. Like, for what? I can see that happening here. Yeah, and you're not wrong. And this one's on the fantasy community at large because we have no patience to wait for a player to get their feet wet sometimes. We're so excited about the talent, so excited about the stuff, so excited about the the landing spot, the ballpark, all these things that we refuse to give this guy time to get settled. So, yeah, I think we are starting to see him get settled. And my goodness, it looks really good. And I think he might pitch his way into this rotation where you can't pull him out if he gets another start or two. And that could be a fantastic thing because what a great story to add him to Walker Bueller and Kershaw for this already really good Dodger team. They got Gavin Lux in the minors. Can't figure the <laughs> team out. Bridges. <laughs> Unbelievable. We'll be back with more FST after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Craig Miss, Joe Pizzapia with you here until 2 o'clock on the East. We've got baseball coming up in about an hour from now. I'll be locked into my phone or the television or an app or, or doing something somewhere watching all of the games today. And then, of course, we'll have some previews of uh, some of the night games as well. And uh, as we turn the page toward Thursday, Joe, Yankees and Phillies are going to go at it again today. And it was interesting looking back on last night's game for a minute here that basically uh, Joe Girardi was asked of the the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies why he pulled Aaron Nola from the game yesterday and why he didn't just let him fill it out. It is very evident to everyone at this point that there is no way the Phillies are making it through this thing to the postseason without, I think, whacking whacking just like six or seven guys, cutting. I mean, it's a bad word to use, I guess, but cutting six or seven Sounds guys. Sounds like a word that my people use or my old neighborhood. I don't know. Got to be, gotta be, care, gotta be careful out. on that one. Uh, uh, here, here's the bottom line. Philly's bullpen is a disaster. It is a bona fide disaster. And, and, and I think what's really more embarrassing is that Miami could grab eight or nine guys that have been released and throw 21 consecutive shutout innings, and the Phillies can't get anybody out. But Girardi was asked about that last night and basically said it's more important to protect the starters at this point than it is to worry about the bullpen. And you know what? He's probably right. They're going to need Aaron Nola and Wheeler and some of these other starters to get deeper into the game to preserve and not have to have their bullpen get into games. But before we look at today's game, Joe, I think that that is going to be the theme for Philly, is they're going to somehow try and find a couple reliable arms. I don't know that they have any in the back end of the bullpen. Uh, Neris seems to be the only one that you can even count on to get any outs. But they're going to have to either work the waiver wire or find some players who have been DFA'd because these guys are just not getting it done. Their their ERA is last in the big leagues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I told you this is my number one concern. This is the reason why we looked at those totals that I was so negative about the Phillies being well above 500 team or at least uh, above enough (laughs) at the uh, over underline. 
And it's because of the bullpen. And uh, the good news for the Phillies is I think we're getting a closer picture of which teams are competitive and not. And you're starting to see the Orioles. You're starting to see the Pirates. You're starting to see some teams, I don't want to say drop off, but let's say drop off. And if so, maybe there's somebody you could pluck from one of those rosters, you know, move a minor leaguer, make some sort of move like that potentially. And it doesn't have to be somebody of great note. It just has to be somebody who's capable of going on a short run. And I think that's what you're looking for. And it might just be getting a bunch of bodies and then just hoping that somebody gets hot because we've seen that before. We've seen relievers come out of nowhere and become closers that you never would have thought would have done that. And I think and then the next year, of course, they become nobody again. And you say, what happened to that guy? He was so good last year. And that is the enigma that is bullpens in Major League Baseball. So for the Phillies, I think it's about getting some bodies, number one. And then number two, lighting a candle in church or whatever, trying to hope that one of them comes through or maybe two that you can start to rely on in the back end. And if you can, then things will change around. But Jari's in a tough spot here because it's like cutting it your nose to spite your face. You know, you, you want to take care of the starters, but at the same time, it's like you want to win baseball games. So I got to say, I, I I feel his pain. I know he's in a rock and a hard place. And the only hope is that maybe some of these teams that are starting to drift back into the standings already We'll start to jettison some players and already start looking towards next year. And I think that will happen. And today, Major League Baseball's rosters went from 30 to 28. And mm-hmm. so those players weren't let go, but they were optioned to the alternate campsite. So teams don't need as many players as they did in the first two weeks of the season. Let's take a look at the Yankees and Phillies tonight over on the FanDuel Sportsbook. If you guys want to get involved in this game, here is the line. The Yankees are minus 150 as pretty significant favorites tonight in Philadelphia, despite losing 11-7 to yesterday. Of course, the total is going to be super high, 9.5, and, and it probably should be until the bullpen for Philly figures it out, until we see fourth and fifth starters in Major League Baseball have some success, and a lot of them are not. I, I think that that is probably the way to go here with this game. I, I don't fully trust Jordan Montgomery. And by the way, a lot of respect for the hitters on Philadelphia with Harper, Real Muto, and Hoskins, and Didi, and Segura, and Kingery, I mean, they have a really good hitting team. Mm-hmm. They're going to score a lot of runs, and so that'd probably be the lean that I would have today. I don't like a side here because anything can happen if Harper gets into one or JT gets into one and these guys hit three home runs, and you're looking at a 9-7 ball game, something like that. So can't expect a low-scoring game, at least from my mind tonight. It's probably be my lean on the over 9.5. Not that I'm betting it, but that would be my lean. Yeah, and from the FanDuel side, this is a game stack. You can go on both ends of this game with some of the offense. Real Muto still uh, decently priced. Aaron Hicks is under 3K. I think he's 2.7. Glaber Torres is just 2.9. So he's been a little quiet, so that price has been dropping, and this is a perfect time to get involved with that. And I would expect a fair amount of offense. You see the total of 9.5 in this game. It's hard not to imagine it getting close to that for sure, especially with the Phillies bullpen, especially with two guys that I don't think anyone thinks of as elite starting pitchers. So this is a game that should be fun uh, in terms of offense and scoring. And it's in a very home run friendly ballpark in that environment, too. So considering the run that Aaron Judge is on, who's just unconscious right now, if you're looking for some fireworks, some fun, some scoring, I think this might be the game. But to play it in FanDuel tonight, you have to be involved in the all day slate because it's an early start here at six. All right. So very true. Uh, Before we get to the Blue Jays uh, preview tonight, we're going to talk about the Blue Jays and Braves. Let's take a look back last night. Uh, Bo Bichette arguably had his best game of the season and a pretty high draft pick for a lot of people in fantasy thus far, waiting on something from him. Uh, two for four with a stolen base and a run. His batting average now up to 276, but only two runs driven in on the season. And after the game, Bichette discussed about how he is basically always aggressive at the plate, and it was really good to see last night him be aggressive on the base paths as well. Yeah, I'm an aggressive hitter. I mean, everybody knows that, so... I mean, when they throw over the play, I'm going to swing. Um, I think that 
you know, when I'm trying to make sure I'm swinging a good pitches, that when, that's when you see me chase and, and get a little bit passive. But when I'm, when I'm ready to swing it and, and convicted on a pitch, um, that's when I'll work deep counts and, and uh, you know, honestly, like put the ball in play on, on good pitches to hit early in the count. Joe, we're going to wait on Bichette here a little bit. It's been a couple of weeks, still not a home run. And I and I think that his owners probably at this point are not panicking. They're just a little nervous. They'd like to see more. Hunjin Rue came through last night for Toronto. And then the Blue Jays seem to be piecing their bullpen together. It does look like Bass is their closer at this mm-hmm. point. Their manager, Charlie Montoya, just keeps going to him in the ninth inning. I don't know how good he'll be in the long run, but if you're looking for saves, he definitely is the guy. But Bichette is someone, Joe, that... Very high expectations going into the year, maybe almost as high as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So I suppose the hope is is that this is the beginning of a run for him, and maybe some power comes with it. Yeah, let's hope. And even if it's not, it doesn't mean all is lost. We just spent a segment on Correa, on Seager, on guys like that that we have high talent, high ceiling guys. We're still very young, and sometimes it takes a few seasons. Sometimes it doesn't. Some guys just pop up there right away. Some guys are Aloy Jimenez. Some guys just come in there. Some guys are Juan Soto. And it's just madness, and you can't believe it. But they're the anomaly, and you have to understand that. It doesn't mean Bo Bichette is not a good investment anymore if he struggles again this year. It just means it might take him a little bit longer. And look at the trajectory of some of these other guys who are getting to 25, 26, 27 years old, and you're going to start to see the evolution there. And Bichette might be one of those guys. Uh, the good news is that you know that he is you know, locked in. You know that he is not going to lose his job anytime soon. And he's going to hopefully grow along with this young team. But kind of like the Dodger situation, I think at some point, the, the Blue Jays have to bring in some more veteran talent to take some pressure off these kids. And I mean some significant talent. They, they can go in there and say, okay, it's not just all about you guys. Here's a guy in the middle of this lineup who's going to be some lineup protection, get you guys some more fastballs to hit. And I think this lineup desperately needs that unless they just think Vladimir Guerrero is going to become that guy instantly. And so far, I think that's still a work in progress, too. Great to see Ryu, though, rebound after a very rocky few first few starts. Pearson on the mound tonight. That should be fun, too. I think Pearson has a really good chance of a win tonight. He's going against Tuki Toussaint, who's going to basically try to stretch out of the bullpen now and fill in some innings. But look, I, I think it's going to be tough for Pearson to get a quality start. I don't expect him to go six innings. Maybe he'll top out at 85, 90 pitches at the most tonight if he's very efficient. Maybe he gets him through that fifth inning, but I think he's got a good path to the W and some strikeouts, and that makes him, at his cost tonight, a decent DFS play. But look, the Braves right now are starting to feel the effects of missing these guys. It didn't happen right away, but I think two or three games later, he's starting to feel the missing of Soroka, the missing of Boltonevich, the missing of Albies, and I'm, I'm curious to see what happens to the Braves in the next two weeks as opposed to what happened with them the last week. And and taking a look at the odds on FanDuel tonight, the Braves are minus 130 in this game, and the total is 9. You have two starters in this game, as Joe mentioned, Tuki Toussaint, probably not going more than four or five. You have Nate Pearson in this game. I would highly doubt going more than five or six would probably be the maximum there for him. He does strike out a lot of batters, and so therefore the pitch count is going to be up. Pearson was lights out in his first start. Uh, We'll see what happens this evening as the Braves are also in a pretty good position with the Phillies and Mets struggling so much to take a a jump in the division, although the Marlins are sitting there at the top for sure. Uh, okay, let's move on to the Cubs and Royals. The Cubs are a significant favorite tonight in Kansas City. They're one of the hottest teams in the National League, and the total is nine in this game because there just isn't a belief that what we've seen from Tyler Chatwood is legit. He has been legit through two starts, but again, we saw a lot of struggles the last couple of years with him. Is he turned it around? Is this the guy that they thought that they got? Maybe. I think tonight will be a better indication. 
Brad Keller is finally back. He will make the start from Kansas City so they don't have to throw seven rookies into their rotation, which they've done <laughs> at the start of the season. But uh, I, I don't feel comfortable taking the Cubs minus 170. And given the fact that the Cubs aren't really juggernauts in terms of scoring, I don't really like laying a run and a half with them as well. So for me, it would probably just be a pass on this. I'm not confident yet that Chatwood is going to be the guy that we've seen. And certainly I know who Keller is. And this guy is just going to throw a ton of ground balls and hope that his defense makes the plays. Yeah, uh, from the DFS standpoint tonight, it's a tough slate. It's a shorter slate, too, especially with some games in the 6 o'clock that if you're going to play the regular main slate starting at 7, you're kind of running out of options. And I think this might default just be the best one. You see uh, the big favorite there on the Cubs side. I think, Chatwood, you got to just roll with him right now because it's been good, as difficult as that is. And Keller just really got back. So uh, looking at this one, I think that you just continue to try to roll the dice and double down with Chatwood. Keep it simple. Uh, the Cubs lineup, uh, I think, regardless of the fact that Keller is a ground ball pitcher at times, I think that uh, this Cubs lineup can certainly thump with anybody when they are hot. And uh, I'm going to go with Chatwood tonight. I think that the Cubs are actually in a decent spot here for this victory. And to get him the victory tonight makes him a, a pretty decent play on the FanDuel side, I think, because that's what you're looking for. You don't have a lot of the big-time aces on this slate tonight. So what you're looking for is, can a guy get a W? Can he get some strikeouts? Does he have a good matchup? And he ticks all these boxes tonight, Chatwood. So I am going to favor the Cubs in that sense. But from a wagering standpoint, I can understand why you're not in love with this game either. Yeah. A couple of quick news and notes for those of you who have been playing the waiver wire game and just looking for players activated and maybe to add uh, to uh, fantasy teams. There's a couple of notes both for DFS and for season-long leagues. The first one is Will Smith is finally back for the Atlanta Braves, and he figures in immediately into the eighth or ninth inning role for them. If for some reason somebody cut bait on him because they didn't see him in the first week, make sure that you get him into the lineup. And Joe, a, a first day off here coming from what I, who I would say is one of the MVPs thus far in fantasy and reality, Mike Estremski, uh, not starting for the San Francisco Giants today. They have really done a good job staying in this thing in the first couple of weeks of the season. Yastrzemski has been, if not the top pickup in fantasy, he's got to be right up there, uh, but not playing today. And certainly it's a course Field game, which is a little bit of a bummer. He would have been a good use today in DFS. Yeah, certainly not the day you want him to be sitting if you're a Yastrzemski owner right now. But look, Everybody deserves an off day after, excuse me, an off day, a day game after a night game. Sure. Why not? I understand that the thin air, especially the day game in cores, the ball flies out. Oh, what could have been for Yastrzemski mm. today? What a bummer, but uh, it's good news for Freeland. So you think about it that way as well. If you want to flip the coin here. Yeah. Uh, the outfield for the giants today, Austin Slater, Mauricio Dubon, Hunter Pence. That is, those are your options today in the outfield on dfs but hey look i'm not going to rip the giants anymore they've proved me wrong thus far and and at least are headed toward a, a chance of going over their win total in 2020 all right our full dfs slate and action and preview is coming up next here on sports grid on fantasy sports today so where are you going stay on the grid we're going to help you in dfs coming up next and then at hour number two we'll touch on a little bit more baseball some football as well joe and i are back right after this quick timeout with some dfs action SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Fantasy sports today right here on Sports Grid for you, noon to 2 Eastern every single day. If this is your first time watching this show, where have you been? We are here every day for you, helping you in daily fantasy sports, season-long fantasy sports, sports wagering, and Ren and Stimpy. We cover it all right here on the show. Anything that you want to talk about, let us know. Hit us up on social media at SportsGrid, at Craig Mish, at Joe Pizzapia 17 and go to sportsgrid.com to check out our full schedule of shows here on our network. And, D- D- Joe, I think today has got to be an interesting day for DFS. You can play the day slate. You can play the night slate. We really haven't had a ton of day games thus far because teams mm-hmm. are traveling so much during the day. Let's take a look at it today. Who you have as starting pitchers and give us a couple of values here in terms of hitters as well. Well, first things first, if you want to take some big variables out, uh, just play the 7 o'clock starting slate. Don't go to 6 o'clock because that Yankee-Phillies game is going to have a ton of runs. But conversely, if you want to get that (laughs) in there, that's the pivot and just go heavy into that. Look, uh, not a lot of aces tonight on the mound. But I think what we're doing is we're going to hunt for W's. That's what we're hunting for. Hunting for W's with Tywa Chatwood, 9.6K. Uh, I think he can get the win here against the Royals. Also, Nate Pearson was really good in his first start against Max Scherzer. Uh, like Craig said earlier, I don't expect him to be going seven innings, but I do expect strikeouts, and that matters. Can he get K's? Can he get a W? And I think the answer to both of those questions is yes. Uh, last night, Cole Calhoun started to heat up. Him and Cattell Marte, both under 3K in this lineup for uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks against Houston. They're throwing a rookie pitcher tonight as well. And Anthony Rizzo, I think, is your safe bat when you go up there. Good lefty-righty matchup for him at Kansas City at 3-7 if you want to pay up. But keep an eye on those Diamondbacks in that late slate, too, especially if you're just playing that and isolating. Just be real careful because the way the games are set up today, there's a lot of choices, so choose carefully. All right, so there you go. There's our DFS update for the day. Make sure you do it over on FanDuel and get on their DFS site. It's a site that I check out every single day, both for DFS and for wagering as well. All right, we've come to the end of the first hour of the show, but we have plenty more to come, including an update here from Pro Football Talk that says, stay tuned, could have some big players opting out in the NFL today. We'll wait on that. We'll update that for you next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.